If you're looking for information on business, fashion, or fashion design, you want to make sure you're listening to someone who has experience in those fields. I'm here to tell you, you've come to the right channel. I used to be right where you are. I'm a small town girl from Minnesota, and I made it to the number one most recognized name in prom dress designers. Hello, I'm Deborah Rochelle. My dresses have been featured in every teen magazine like Seventeen, Cosmo Girl, Cosmopolitan, and many, many more. They've been on celebrities, in the movies, on Broadway, walking down the red carpet. I've licensed my products. I hold several patents. And I used to own a chain of retail stores. I was even the first dress store ever on the internet. I was designing, manufacturing, wholesaling, and retailing my dresses all over the world under my trademarked brand name of Deborah Rochelle. I had five factories in China and was importing dresses into the United States and exporting them all over the world. Then, out of the blue, I received an offer on my company and I took it and I retired at the age of 42. But the point here is that at one time, I was where you are at now and I can teach you how to get where I ended up. Come to the right channel if you're looking for information on business, fashion, or fashion design. I've been there and I've done that. A lot of people think those who have succeeded don't want others to succeed, but from my point of view, it's just the opposite. I want everybody to succeed in doing what they love to do. What a perfect world this would be, everybody just doing what they love. So sit back, relax, and let's talk a little bit about business, maybe throw in some fashion. Hello, welcome back. And if this is your first time joining us, it's great to have you. If you've been listening to our last podcast, I'm sure you already know that we've been on to the 10 steps you need to start a business. Before you even go into business, you need to do these 10 things. And this is step six. And step six is how do I get a federal and state tax ID for my business? And we'll also talk a little bit about licenses and permits that you'll need. So again, before you go into business, you have to obtain a federal and state tax ID and apply for any necessary license or permits. So what are federal and state tax IDs? They are how the U.S. government keeps track of you to make sure you've paid your taxes. And as you might have guessed, the government insists that you have these so you can file your taxes properly. A federal ID is like your personal social security number. You know, you put it on all your tax documents. It's also known as an EIN number or an employee identification number. So you have to use it when you pay your employees. I won't go into how to pay your employees in this episode, but just note when you do pay your employees, you also have to tuck some money away for them into their social security fund for their retirement. It's actually their money. It comes out of their paycheck, but then you have to match these funds. I'll be going into more detail on this in my book that will be published in the near future. But for now, we're just focusing on the 10 steps to open your business. And so I'm just going to talk about how to get your tax ID numbers. You have to apply for an EIN number, which is also called a federal tax identification number, before you even open a bank account, before you apply for any additional licenses or permits, and even before you hire your employees. The great thing is it is free and it's easy to apply for a federal and state tax ID number. And once you've registered your business and its name, which we talked about in the last episode, the next step is applying for your federal and state tax IDs. And luckily the IRS or our government has made it super easy to apply. Simply go to irs.gov 
www.gov-ein-number.com and choose your entity type. If you missed that link, don't worry, I'll link it in my episode notes on my website, which is businessfashiontips.com. And then you can just click on it and it'll take you right there. And if you don't know what entity type you are, go back and listen to our podcast in episode six, which was step five in the 10 steps you need in how to start a business. That's episode six. I'm going in order here, people. So if you're on this step number six and haven't listened to steps one through five yet, you need to go back to my first podcast and start from there. So once you're on this form, on that link I gave you, it will ask you some basic information like what's your company name, what's your address, who are your principal officers, and what state you're registered in. And they ask for your state for a reason because they tie your federal tax ID number account to your state tax account. End of the year when you file, they better match up with the dollar amounts owed or you'll be hearing from them. So once you're finished filling in this short form, they send you your federal ID. Again, it's also called an EIN. And I remember those two different names were really confusing for me when I first got my EIN 25 years ago. So just know that sometimes they call it a federal tax ID and sometimes they call it your EIN. Then you won't be confused like I was. So once you push submit on this application, you'll receive your tax ID number, which is typically within 24 hours. You don't need to hire an attorney or a tax accountant just to obtain an EIN or state tax ID. So why pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to a professional for something that will only take you five minutes to complete? Now getting your state ID may be a little trickier because you have to go through your state's website to get this ID. So go to a search engine, any search engine, and type in register for a state tax ID in Minnesota. Or, or I guess in your case, it would be your own state. I'm from Minnesota, so that's why I said that. Each state has their own way of doing this, but they're basically pretty much the same. It's just a short, easy form that you have to fill out. There are currently a few states that have no personal income taxes. So let me see if I can name them off the top of my head. I know it's Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas for sure, Washington, and Wyoming. How do I know this? Because I've looked into moving into these states. If you live there... In one of these states, I have one thing to say to you, and that's congratulations. It's like winning a lottery for not having to pay personal income tax. You not only save money, but you have less paperwork that you need to file. So I consider you very lucky. A couple of those states, however, like New Hampshire, still tax on interest and dividends. However, please note that this also depends on your business's structure. And as far as I know, only Wyoming and South Dakota don't charge corporate or personal income tax. Speaking of business structure, if you're a sole proprietorship and have no employees and need no special permits, you probably don't have to file a federal or state tax ID because you can report your business on your personal income statement. However, sometimes sole proprietors want to apply for an EIN or a state tax ID as this can provide another layer of protection from identity theft and things like that. So sometimes there are advantages to doing so. So that was quick and easy, right? So now you should know how to get your federal and state tax IDs. So let's talk a little bit about permits and licenses right after this break. Welcome back. So let's talk a little bit about licenses and permits. After you have your state and federal IDs, it's time to apply for any special permits or licenses you may need. For instance, my state of Minnesota needs special permits if you sell alcohol, guns, live animals, explosives, hazardous waste, 
Um, there's commercial fishing, mining and drilling, and even operating oversized vehicles. If you're a building contractor, you need special bonding permits. Even if you're putting up a sign on the building where your business is located, you need a sign permit. These permits may be a pain, but there are reasons behind them. For instance, when I applied for my sign permit, I was only allowed so many square feet per how many square feet my building was. It also had to be at a certain height, and if it was freestanding, it even had to have specific landscaping under it. Can you imagine if we could put there any size I'm just of a sign a on any building? Instead of making our community look good, everything would look probably trashy and junky like graffiti and garbage because there would be so many signs and there would be no cohesiveness to them. There are even licenses and permits to make sure there are competent people running these businesses. I mentioned in one of my last podcasts that manicurists and nail technicians had to have special training. If just anyone did your nails, you wouldn't be guaranteed that that person would know how to sterilize their equipment properly. And if the nail technician accidentally cut someone with their nail clipper and it left blood on that clipper, and then they used it on the next person, who knows what type of disease a person could get. Permits also ensure that people are responsible for the use of natural resources. You wouldn't want a fisherman to fish out the entire lake so there's no fish left. You also wouldn't want a logger to cut all the trees down and not replace them. So there are a number of reasons for obtaining permits, and most of them are very logical. So before opening your business, you just have to contact your state and read their website so you know what types of permits are needed for the type of business you're going into. There's also one more necessary state tax ID you'll need if you carry products or sell services, and that's your sales tax ID number. Some states just use the federal EIN numbers as their sales tax ID, but this varies from state to state. My home state of Minnesota has a separate number you need to apply for, and you use this number on the top of all your forms when you send in your sales tax. So you're collecting the sales tax for the government. So go back to your state's website to see if you'll need a separate sales tax ID number. Sometimes they call this a resale certificate or a sales tax exempt number or even a seller's permit. Just keep searching your state's website under any of these names to get to the proper page for applying for your sales tax ID number. And if you do sell products or services, chances are you'll need to collect the government's sales tax on these products and services and then report this to the government and hand over all this money that you collected for them. Sometimes if you're traveling and you're working out of another state, for instance, if you're an artist and you go to an art fair in another state, sometimes, most of the time, you have to apply for a state sales tax ID number in that state that you're selling your goods in. Same goes for the internet. Some states require that you're collecting tax for their state if you sell something over the internet and send it into their state. The one thing that's so important is that you pay on time. So what you collect for the government, you send to the government in a timely fashion. And they give you a schedule as to when it needs to come. Sometimes it's quarterly, sometimes it's monthly, sometimes it's yearly, depending on your sales, gross sales, at least in Minnesota. Because if you don't, the government can go right into your business bank account and take that which is owed to them. And sometimes they can even go into your personal bank account and they charge interest on this. So therefore, keep your records accurate and up to date. I highly recommend investing in a proper computer program designed to, for your type of business. 
It makes everything so much easier. Because if you ever get behind in taxes, the fines can really start to mount up and can overwhelm you. I've seen businesses that have gone out of business because they couldn't pay their taxes or they didn't have the proper people in place that paid their taxes in a timely fashion. The interest rates alone put them out of business. Let me give you an example. There's a company called Cultural Brokerage Agency. Uh, You may know them as Brother Valleys, and that was formed by designer Aurora James. You may remember Aurora James because she was made famous when New York Representative AOC, also known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, wore her dress to the Met Gala, and it stated, tax the rich all over her dress. Oddly enough, James's company wasn't paying their fair share of taxes. James's company had 15 plus tax warrants in New York State for not withholding income taxes from her employees' paychecks. And just a reminder, when you're an employer, if you forget or just don't withhold income taxes from an employee, you then have to pay 100% of that which was not withheld out of your own pocket. The government expects the employer to withhold and collect federal and state income tax from their employees to pass on to the government. Some employers even take the income tax out of their employees' paycheck, and then they forget to pay the government. Or maybe they just conveniently forgot. In other words, they forgot that it was not theirs to keep. It was part of the employee's wage, and they need to put it back into their employee's Social Security fund so that employee can collect Social Security upon their retirement. In 2018 and 2019, the IRS also placed six federal liens on Aurora James's business, and her six federal liens totaled over $103,000. And this isn't only for businesses in the United States. Fashion's designers Dulce and Gabbana were found guilty of evading taxes amounting to something like $227 million, which was about 200 million euros, and they were sentenced to 1.5 years in jail. They kept appealing, however, and the verdict was overturned. And even though they may have won their lawsuit, it really tainted their name and their reputation. And they still lost, really, because they had to pay exorbitant legal fees. One last lesson, pay your taxes on time so you're not penalized or prosecuted. So that ends this podcast. So the next podcast, we will touch on step number seven, which is how to find the perfect location for your business. If you want to get more business and fashion tips and tricks or whatnot, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You can go to businessfashiontips.com and you can subscribe to our newsletter there as well. There's also a way to contact me if you have any questions for me regarding any of my podcasts or any questions that you may have about business or fashion design. Just go to the website businessfashiontips.com and you can find the link underneath the episode you just listened to. And just for fun, we have a quiz you can take just to see if you learned anything from this episode. And that is also on our website businessfashiontips.com. Have a great day. 